podcast they played nobody. Godfrey, Las Cruces, New Mexico. The New Mexico State oh, football no. team played host to battle oh, of I-10 God. rival UTEP on Saturday night. After getting on the board early, NM State continued to dominate on both sides of the ball with strong play that featured three interceptions by Shamad Lomax and a pair of touchdowns by Larry Rose III en route to a 41-14 victory for the Aggies. I don't even blame you. I blame the people that encourage you, and they listen to this stupid podcast. Is there anything else you want to say? They are now working on getting Doug Martin a contract extension. <laughs> that is how quickly this has changed. I feel like we should be thanked for that. I don't know why. We actually, uh, when we posted on Twitter uh, about it last week, somebody, uh, I, I don't know if he was like a councilman or somebody, but somebody with a bunch of Las Cruces references in his Twitter profile uh, lectured the people of Las Cruces for not being as excited about it as we are. <laughs> <laughs> this is podcast ain't played nobody. It is a bizarre, sometimes inexplicable college football marriage of numbers and words. That's the robot Bill Connolly. He's the inventor of the S&P Plus analytics system. Uh, he wrote a bunch of books. You can find them on the old Amazon.com. My name's Stephen godfrey and i'm not the only reporter out in the field this week we are recording this in a time vacuum a wrinkle earth four i don't remember what earth four is in dc comics hopefully it's not too bad um we're on an elseworld bill as we record this i am watching my favorite sports team play so this is going to be extremely distracted at best you are getting a slightly shorter version you are getting a slightly out of date version and that's because it's really your fault if you just want to go ahead, I don't know if you want to tell people where you're going this week. I, I never tell people where I'm at, but I'm going to be in the field this week. Um, I will be at a city that isn't my home for the week working on a project. And then so's Bill Connolly. So That's our right. schedules didn't align, and we're going to be in two very different parts of the country. And so we are recording. This is the first ever for Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. We're way in advance. It is Sunday. As I look at the clock, it is 1.48 Central Time on Sunday. How's that for you? Yeah. This is, this is weird, and we're gonna every single thing we touch on today, something will have happened between Sunday and Wednesday that completely wrecks yeah. whatever we were saying. But I like that because then we have an excuse instead of just being stupid or misinformed. Yeah. The time change. It was weird. Um, we have a lot of questions. We're gonna just try and keep it as normal as possible. Um, I don't know if this will align again this season, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But no. here's your fun weirdo um, kind of end of September-ish podcast for kind of a weird end of September, honestly. Um, I'm still, obviously it's Sunday afternoon, I'm still shaking off the previous week before I look at the next one. It was, for the record, we were right. Um, I would say pretty missable in general, but especially, what did you, were you tailgating in the 2.30 hour last week or did you just go, did you watch games? Because it was so boring, I actually went and did stuff, like volunteered to be a husband and father, which is really just a terrible thing. Weird. Yeah, no, I was tailgating. I was not being a husband and father. Um, I It was hot, yes. but, you know, the ta- you, you got to power through such things uh, on a Saturday afternoon. And, we, and actually, we've set up nicely. There's um, the people who tailgate next to us started bringing the whole satellite TV setup. So I, was, I get to watch parts of the games as they flip back and forth uh, during the tailgate, and that works out pretty well, and then I DVR the rest. So You're at, you're at a Missouri tailgate. How much natural interest is there for a TCU Oklahoma State game because I find almost almost as a rule when I'm out in the field I haven't done it as much this year I've been doing different kind of projects and stuff but I go to I don't know let's say uh Kansas State okay right I I love the Kansas State people um but if I'm at a Kansas State tailgate before their game and there's a TV set up with a direct TV it's probably a big 12 game right do you find that because Missouri's ex-big 12 that there's still a natural interest in those teams um, I mean, I don't know if it's that or it's just yesterday's SEC game was terrible. But, yeah, we spent a lot of time on TCU OSU That was kind of what I was getting at was like. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to start thinking about it. Well, and, and think that also, you know, a lot of the times we're tailgating during the 11 o'clock games, uh, which is almost never uh, – uh, there's almost never an SEC game besides the, you know, the Jefferson Pilot game. Um which I guess is is usually an almost upset for a while, so I should take that back. T- yesterday it would have been Tennessee UMass, but um, or sorry, yesterday <clears throat> this is Wednesday, so Saturday it would have come been, on, guy. <clears throat> damn it, I've already screwed that up. Anyway, uh, yes, we 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 flip uh, through a lot of places, uh, a lot of games, and uh, I would say if it's not SEC, I, I would say there's probably still at least a little bit of natural interest. Um. I hid in my house because, look, 
I brag sometimes about how great the city of Nashville is, the great town. You've been out with me in Nashville before. Um, I'm very happy about where I live, um, uh, all that all that stuff. Uh, what I'm getting at is that Alabama, absolutely. I mean, it was worse than having, like, just a bunch of rabid raccoons running through my neighborhood. It's basically the same thing. So we get up on Saturday. Like we get up on Saturday morning. So I have a thing as 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 you're hearing this, I'm doing the the project thing that I'm working on. So I didn't go out and do a game, which is fine. But I also thought, it, like, it never really occurred to me because I'd already did the Vandy game. But I was not gonna go cover Alabama. I don't want to stand in a media scrum in that really hot, stinky visitors' press room at Old Vanderbilt Stadium and listen to Nick Saban say nothing. I knew it was going to be a dominant Alabama win. I don't know if I would have picked 59 to nothing. I would probably would have picked like 35 to three. You know, the way he has that, he has that tendency sometimes of just like drilling down and then stopping against, <laughs> it's like schools he respects. Like Meyer does it really well against the, um, the service academies, but my God, it, it wasn't even that. That's fine. You're in a complete different sport than Vanderbilt is right now, but they were like, I went to my kid's soccer practice in the park in our neighborhood, and we're like we're like a mile, two miles from the stadium. There's like Bama tailgaters getting ready. There's not even a way that you would come into town and stop in that park. I, I assume they were just lost. I don't know. I went to go pick up food for my <laughs> wife at ten o'clock. Um, we had to. We were up late with a kid, and we went to go get some takeout because we were tired. And I'm like waiting. There's four deep at the bar to pick up takeout, and it's all like 55 year old Bama bros who are dressed like they're 22 real like 22 year old real estate majors. Awful. God. Our, uh, one experience, our we, one experience with Bama fans in Columbia was the first year, that 2012 year, um, where A, Missouri was struggling, uh, and B, uh, Alabama was on its way to another national title, and C, there was a lightning storm like five minutes into the game, and Alabama was already up 21 nothing, and the place just oh, like that, yeah. everybody just scattered, and only some of them came back. Um, it was a very strange experience all the way around. Um, we got a lot of quick, we, we got a lot of questions about Kentucky and I want to okay. kind of laugh about it, but I also, um, as a sports fan who suffered, a stunning loss recently, I want to be respectful. Um, how much of this game did you catch? By the way, we should actually, I, I, let's go ahead and open the show. We had multiple questions come in. What time did Bill leave the Missouri game? Can we turn this into a new segment? <laughs> Can we turn it into a new segment? Well, the only problem is the stupid schedule, the way it's set up this year, there are only three home games left uh, for, of the nine weeks remaining in the, um, in, the, in the college football schedule. So we don't have many times left to play this game. But yeah, we can play this game. Um, well, we it played it last gorgeous. week. Let's play it this week. Huh? I said we played, it la- we played it last week. Let's just play it this week. All right. Can we well, get? Oh, was- can I guess? Okay. <sighs> I didn't see the box score, so I don't know exactly when everything happened. I'm going to go nine minutes, third quarter. Um, Was this price is right? Did I go over? I, with nine minutes left in the third quarter, I was standing at at tropical liqueurs to get a drink to take home to my wife. That is the local alcoholic slushes place. um, Sounds nice. where they put it, the drinks into go cups and 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 something feels very wrong. But um, I we, it was a gorgeous night, and so we stayed till halftime. Um, okay. And uh, you know that's it was thirty one seven at halftime. It was fourteen nothing seven minutes into the game. Like they just. Uh, it, I will say this. This here's my. This is there's, you're not going to hear a Missouri rant this week because a Barry Odom already sucked up all that oxygen with his post game rant uh, on Saturday night, and you should look that up if you haven't. Um, he really kind of start, tried to create his, as I think it was, um, power Mizzou's Gabe DeArmond, uh, put it, uh, this was, you know, Gundy, we just talked about the 10 year anniversary of Gundy's I'm a man, I'm 40 rant, uh, and how that uh, looking back, it was almost kind of a catalyst of sorts, even though Bobby Reed, the guy who was, he was protecting hated it. Um, it, it seemed to kind of galvanize th- uh, things a little bit and th- you can get a nice, we all know that if you can get a nice kind of anti-local media thing going, um, 
then you know they, they don't they don't respect us. They think we're terrible. Blah blah blah. Um, that yeah, that seems to be pretty effective. And it seemed like maybe this was Odom trying to create that. Now the we we already know that, that he's been you know that Missouri's just been shutting off to the local media more and more through the years. Uh, and Odom sped it up considerably. So I don't know really know what else he could do in that regard. But it felt like this was him trying to send a message. The, you know, Gary Pinkle in his book, his autobiography that just came out, he talked a lot about. Um, any explosion he had in front of his players was planned or anything explosion that his, his players would see was planned. And I think this was a planned thing from Barry. Now, I think it was also he had a horrible week and a couple of horrible games. Uh, and so the, there was natural frustration in there, too. But he's just like, you know what? I decided I want to rant about this. And he kind of had it all sketched out in his head. And then he went to the microphone with it. But no, they showed up. They showed up and they tried, and that's less than you can say about the Purdue game. Auburn okay. just basically forces you to win one-on-ones against them. Clemson was able to. Uh, Missouri just couldn't win any one-on-ones, and, and Auburn eventually trounced them. But we're supposed to feel bad for Kentucky right now. Yes. How much of the Kentucky game did you see? And do we feel like, oh, Kentucky, you did it again? Or was this like, hey, this is actually just a good football team, but they're they don't know how to like put it all together yet. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Well, they right put it now, all together. I just want to feel bad for Kentucky. They put it all together last week. They had, I mean, they had their best game against their best opponent yet last week. So, um, I mean, yeah, two things. First of all, it really does seem like streaks win games sometimes. And, and yeah. again, I, I, you know, Nebraska won 25 straight over Missouri. So I kind of know what this is like. Uh, you remember the blown chances. And then the next time you have a chance, you kind of flash back to the blown one and it all kind of just, you know, unfolds again because you can't really get past it. But it was funny. Like basically I saw not, uh, this is one of the games I DVR'd and you know, they're up 27, 14 and then we check and it's 27, 21 yep. and then Florida gets the ball back and we're just watching this going, Oh no, there's no way. And of course there was a way, of course it was going to happen. So, um, it, it, I'm not going to say anything about Kentucky being cursed. Uh, I saw that question uh, in our mix here uh, because a, if anybody's freaking cursed, I'm, st- I'm standing in the front of the line and B uh, nobody's freaking cursed. Nobody's freaking cursed. I promise. I promise. I'm watching the Atlanta Falcons right now. No one's cursed. Um, one thing I do want to ask, um, just to take a step back and acknowledge that wonderful Alabama invasion of my of my uh, residence. Uh, VU fanatics at VU F A N I N T X. Fan in Texas. Fan in Texas. Oh, yeah, it took no, me a second there. Why you're the smart one? Vandy got whooped. Is Vandy uh, Vandy is clearly not on par with Alabama? Cor- correct, VU fanatics. Uh, does Vandy still have a shot in the East? I want to bring this up to talk about Kentucky and Vandy, and anyone who isn't Georgia right now. Do we have separation right. bill with Georgia and the field? Um, am I looking too much into Mississippi State because people look too much into Mississippi State the week prior? Is this when will this league offer some clarity after number one? Uh, well, I mean, I think at this exact moment in time, uh, well, I mean, look at look at Georgia's schedule overall. They uh, first week of the year, they destroy Appalachian State. We think Appalachian State's pretty good, right? I mean, at least right. at yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. level, we think they're pretty good. Then, then they go to Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that has otherwise looked very good, scored on Boston College, which took Clemson a heck of a long time to figure out how to do that. Uh, they go to uh, South Bend, hold Notre Dame to 19 points, win with the freshman quarterback. They go to Samford and the same weekend that Auburn decides to kind of fiddle with, uh, you know, thinking about losing to Mercer for a little while and all that. They handle their business against Stanford or Samford, excuse me. Um, And then they welcome the team that, you know, again, like we said on the Sunday show uh, that we totally didn't record directly before this one. Um, We, you know, Mississippi State probably did get, you know, uh, spend a lot of time this week getting there. You know, they, they, it would not surprise me if Mississippi State just kind of was a little more lackadaisical than they expected to be. Fine. They beat them 31 to three. Um, they have passed every, four tests of different type with flying colors. And so at this point, I think until, you know, they turn around and lay a big egg next week at Tennessee, um, you know, they get the benefit of the doubt from me. They have looked the part. I wrote about the Vols again. I don't even want to. Jason Kirk just makes me do it. Um, well, this is like last year when I wrote about the, the the Texas and LSU situations. Like every six days there was like a 
update on the angst, and then eventually, I mean, look, they're not firing Butch right now. They beat UMass by four points. Um, I still fully expect them to scare the crap out of, and who knows? They have the ability to beat Georgia. They do. They have the ability to win that game. It's at home. Um, we have absolutely no context for what the East is going to be. So maybe we should just right embrace is- that what we don't know about this about that the SEC outside of Alabama right now because I don't feel good about saying anything. I don't want to be the idiot like last week who says, oh, you know, Mississippi State's clearly defined as the second best team in the league. Well, A, don't be afraid of, of being wrong. There's, you know, we're wrong a lot. But B, I think Georgia has clearly established itself as number two in the uh, in the SEC right now. That can okay. change. Of course it can change, uh, especially with that quarterback situation and just the youth involved there, even though um, that freshman has looked awfully good. Um, Three-year Letterman asked, should UGA change its fourth quarter song to Reigns of Castamere? Look, don't get too cocky. All right. Yeah, yeah, let's not. <laughs> let's let's err on the side of caution. Let's not go crazy. But Put they the have black jerseys on and win by thirty, and then get back to me. Yeah, no, they they look like Bama so far. I, I gotta say, but you gotta keep looking like Bama. That's the hard part. Yeah, I mean, I knew that we. I thought we we sort of agreed there would be progression this year, and that there were some definite problems in terms of personnel last year, like the offensive line, but. <sighs> If we if we if we're saying Mississippi State's that good, as good as we thought they were, like three three or four. Oh wait, we're in limbo right now. A week ago, um, then Georgia's that much better, and they're therefore they are the second best team in the league. I guess this is very yeah. hard to do. It's very hard to do right now. Yeah. I don't know. We talked I, a little I, bit. I, of, here's what you do: just cl- uh, everything you say, uh, put it with an asterisk that says so far. And then you don't have to worry about being wrong because you can always say, well, I said so far, and then it changed. So I just far. felt – I feel like we had stronger supporting narratives, supporting storylines. You know, we knew we, – we had our good teams last year, sure, but then also I think we, we knew those, those number two and sort of number three storylines were a little bit clearer as we, as we approached the beginning of October. I feel like it's just a mess this year. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's tougher to yeah. figure out the SEC after Alabama or anything to do with the Big 12. That really isn't even a segue, but – um, you're still picking Oklahoma. You talked about this on the Sunday show. We know that because we just recorded yep. it back to back. Um, yep. Baylor. <sighs> what was that? What happened? I, I, I'm just happy they, they showed up. I mean, I think that was, um, they had too much talent to be as bad as they were the first three weeks of the year. And they, they finally figured a couple things out. This is a, with as many freshmen and as many new things that they are introducing at Baylor this year. They're just kind of going to be all over the map, but they still have a little bit of talent. And um, that quarterback, Zach, you know, you know, four games ago, Baylor, you know, well, let's say five games ago for Baylor, it would not have surprised anybody for a Baylor quarterback to throw for 400 or whatever yards, even against Oklahoma. Um, it took them a while. They still don't have a run game, but they figured some things out with the passing game. And um, they just, they looked a lot closer to their talent level than they had and good for them. I don't think we need to read anything about, into it about OU or, or whatever. I just think Baylor's finally going to start sort of looking like a football team now. Okay. All right. So hang tight on that. Um, Here's a question. Speaking of while we're in the Big 12, um, I don't friend, like, you're, you're making me be patient about everything. I can't be declarative about anything. So, <laughs> no, be declarative. Just say so far at the end. Um, <laughs> our friend Kevin uh, at Naive Berserk. <laughs> I love the framing of this questions. Uh, Texas chance against Iowa State on Thursday. Not Iowa State's chances against Texas. What do you think about Texas's chance against Iowa State on Thursday? All right, to hell with um, it. Let's ju- let's just jump in. Let's start there. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go. Um, Thursday night, it's pretty easy to pick. You got NC Central at Florida A and M on ESPNU at six thirty, and the Texas Longhorns are going to Iowa State. Um, this is a good game. It's a Big Twelve game on ESPN. Goes to Thursday night. Um, boy, the course of college football sure does seem to change when Iowa State plays a. Uh, an underdog <laughs> on a weeknight. I will never get over Oklahoma State. Um, what do we think of this? I think Iowa State has been plucky. I think that's about the best descriptor <laughs> I can apply to a team that's not good, but also not nearly as as deficient as they were. Yeah, no, they 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 were. What are they ranked in S and P right now? They're forty ninth. They're pretty good. Um, nice. They barely lost to Iowa, which who just you know not to play the transitive game too much, but they just almost beat uh, Penn State. 
Right. Um, they are a competitive team. They've got a lot more offense than we're used to Iowa State having. Uh, maybe a little less defense than we're used to Iowa State having, but that's a fair trade. Um, and they are, uh, uh, yeah, Texas is going to have to score. This is going to be kind of the opposite of the, of the USC game, I think, you know, where it was kind of a slog and field position and, and all that. Um, I'm confident in Iowa state's ability to put some points on the board unless, you know, unless Texas decides that the defense they played against USC is, you know, that was a jumping off point and now they're going to do that every week. Um, hard to tell. I would expect to get, uh, get the scoreboard cranking at least a little bit. And Texas is going to have to keep up, it, you know, with a freshman quarterback and a road environment or a sophomore quarterback. I'm uh, not sure yeah. what their quarterback situation is. It's certainly not creative, but I'm just, I'm, I would probably lean back on turnovers there. You're going to have the home environment. It's probably a game that Texas really doesn't want to play right now where you're going in on a weeknight to a hostile environment. And remember, like we can now kind of faithfully say that the whole Tom Herman underdog rally shtick is real i mean i think that had a lot to do with the way that texas came out against usc but how do you turn that on in essentially the you know the opposite environment i don't know if this team's ready to do that yet so um highly watchable for all the potential problematic things that could happen in texas (laughs) that's the nicest way to say it hey friday night's not bad either my friend you ready for this this is just we complained and we complained and we complained and then like bam Thursday Friday there's kind of some must see stuff going on. Um, with that pen, you got it. Miami goes to Duke at ESPN uh, on ESPN. Duke doing extremely well. Good for the fight in David Cutcliffe as always. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm also not talking about a struggling BYU team going to Utah State. Um, and, you know it's always <laughs> fun to watch the train wreck that is Nebraska go into Illinois at FS1 uh, on FS1 at seven, but uh, Southern Cal goes to the Palouse nine thirty Central. So good luck with that bedtime, folks. Um, this is a game you got to watch. Got to watch it. Got to see how good Washington State is. Got to see yeah. if they're for real. Um, huge road test for USC, right? Everything I just said about Iowa State applies here, except that the football team that is uh, the home team is better. So it's funny. I almost find myself more impressed with USC that they're, since they're struggling and figuring out ways uh, to win than if they like. I mean, Cal they traded blows with Cal for three quarters and then just put the game away um, in the fourth. They put you know they survived Texas. That was weird all the way around. But they took yeah. some shots from Western Michigan. They got bitten by the turnover bug and then they went out and put the game away. Like I'm I'm impressed. At some point you got to turn that into easier wins. Uh <clears throat> and that probably won't happen this week. But no, I, I'm I've been impressed with USC and as we were saying on the Sunday show, uh even the numbers like Washington State at this point and the the numbers are Washington State haters. Okay. I'm to me it's just going to be an exciting blend of offense. Um you get what a 25% uptick chance uptick chance and weirdness because of environment and noise and weirdness, you know, just it's it's Pullman, man. Why do I, why am I trying to sell this game? I'm <laughs> yeah, selling no, you this you game listen to this show, podcast. My god. If you listen to this show, all you needed to hear was USC at Washington State. All right, Bill, let's go through it. You ready Saturday morning? I don't know how I feel about Saturday morning yet. I've just looked and I feel meh. All right, let's see. Let's see if I'm going to be turning on the television early or if I'm going to go back to my son's soccer practice and be a functional husband and father. On ESPNU at 11 a.m., Houston goes to Temple. On FS1, Maryland goes to Minnesota. Arkansas, hmm, be interesting to talk about them in a second. They host your favorite football team, the New Mexico State Fighting Aggies. That's double Aggies. Aggies That's back right, to back. You get to watch. On national television, that New Mexico State Aggies. God. Um, North Carolina goes to Georgia Tech on ESPN2. Northwestern goes to Wisconsin on AEBC. Rice is at Pittsburgh. South Florida goes to East Carolina. Vandy is at Florida. Oh. <laughs> oh. This is wretched. Jefferson Pilot, you back. See, you can't you can't kill the spirit of Jefferson Pilot. Syracuse goes to North Carolina State at 11.20 a.m. on the ACC Network. I don't, I don't know why. Um, and then uh, that's going to take us through until the 2.30 start. Um, not good. Not good at all. Vanderbilt and Florida could be one of the most unwatchable games um, in terms of, I mean, if you if you define football as, like, if, if you're a person who can't find any joy in a 10-7 game, that's fine. This is not the game for you at all. Um, this is going to be pretty brutal. Uh, but we know it's going to be decided think- in the last minute because Florida's involved. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, also, you've got essentially, like, 
the same thing's gonna I mean well not the same thing but I think Houston although they have not been great offensively on uh in 2017 Temple is rebuilding Temple is starting from scratch um Tempo Free Gridiron asks what is the least interesting power five game left this year and why is it Rutgers at Illinois I'm gonna go ahead and give it to this one how about that how about that Tempo Free Gridiron I don't really want to look up the entire rest of the power five schedule but um Vandy Florida is about as lackluster as it gets uh, Nebraska, Illinois on Friday night, by the way, um, not that, that I think that competes with Rutgers, Illinois at this point, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, what am I watching here? <sighs> New Mexico state, at Arkansas. Fine. Fine. Actually here, here's my pick. Okay. Is it not New Mexico state at Arkansas? I, I felt it would be cheating if I picked that one okay. and, and you already have, so I don't have to, um, watch Northwestern Wisconsin to see how good Wisconsin is. Uh, because so far after basically taking about the first 15, 20 minutes off against Utah state to start the year, they've been pretty much bulletproof. And so, uh, a see what Northwestern can do. I think Northwestern's better than they were when they got thumped by Duke. Um, and they should be able to compete for a little while. Wisconsin is a legitimate number, uh, top five team per S and P plus. And if you don't believe that there, then at least believe top 10, they are a legitimate team, uh, and they have a legitimately easy schedule. And so there's still a very good chance we're talking about them in playoff terms come November. Okay. All right. You could have just said New Mexico State at Arkansas. All right, fine. New Mexico State, Arkansas. Arkansas, I don't know. I just – we wrote about it last week uh, during the game. My thing is, if you're an Arkansas fan right now, how and you and you want to keep Bielema, you want to support Bielema, how are you showing a sign of progress? In what way can you say we are we as Arkansas are better now than we were a year ago, three years ago? It, they, they do the same damn thing every year because you know <laughs> that Arkansas is going to come out and be, you know, in years past, it's, they would go back to back and beat like a good Ole Miss team and a good LSU team. And those teams aren't great this year, so they're probably going to beat two good teams. They're, they're probably going to wallop like. Mississippi State and I don't know who else is on there like home stretch. Um, you know, probably not. Right, you're definitely not going to beat Alabama, but you know. Here. I mean, they're what's that? You are off the Mississippi State bandwagon. No, here. I'm saying Mississippi State's a good team. I'm saying that they that, that's what Arkansas does though is that they yeah. they lose that they lose that FBS non-conference game like they they beat Texas Tech last year but they lost before that. They take L's early. They'll start the season two and four. They lose to Texas A&M in overtime almost every single year in Dallas, right? Three out of the last four years. Bielema has yet to beat someone or A&M since he got to Fayetteville. And then they make a run down the, down the stretch. So I'm saying they'll beat a good team like Mississippi State, or they'll beat a good team like whoever else. And then everyone will get super fired up. They'll probably beat your Missouri Tigers, sorry. And then they'll get, everyone's jazzed up about the future going into like the Music City Bowl. And the same thing's going to happen next year. <laughs> he's got a buyout from hell. Jeff Long, the AD, loves him because he's kept the program clean by Bobby Petrino standards. I don't know what changes here. I'm not trying to cast the one, you know, uh, no hot take. I'm just, yeah. th- this is the most static program in the Power Five right now. Yeah, they were seven and six and eight and five and seven and six. And there's a, let's see, they're one and two. There's still a pretty decent chance at, at going uh, eight and five or seven and six this year. Yeah. Which, I mean, look, in the SEC West, that's not a bad existence. No. You know, if you're not cheating, you ain't cheating, uh, and you're still managing to put to be steadily solid, there there are worse fates in the world. And I kind of like. But that's not the fate know, that they want in favor. Well, no, but I like, here's, okay, so. We, we talked a little bit about this um, in Slack, uh, in our work Slack last week, and I've been kind of formulating some thoughts on it. Like we, the whole escape from Glenn Mason territory thing. I was, I was talking about Glenn Mason territory where, you know, a coach raises the bar or at least kind of clear, either, however you want to put it, either he raises the bar or he just puts a pretty good product on the field, but it doesn't ever really get better. And so you fire, you freak out and you fire him and then you go three and nine for the next decade. Uh Um, So many teams have freaked out and fired pretty good coaches for, for being pretty good, but not good enough. Uh, And right now, if Georgia does manage to break, breakthrough under Kirby Smart, they'll be like the first one ever to actually succeed at what they were attempting to do when firing a pretty good coach. And so I like the thought of 
not firing him, but figuring out what, how, like as an athletic director, and I, I'm not a Jeff Long fan, but if like the thought of trying to figure out how to help your pretty good coach become good, I think that leads, that's more likely to lead to, lead to success than saying eight and five is not good enough. We, we want another coach. You can't show uh, any problems that are systemic. You can't show anything that's, no. that's going to be, that's going to fundamentally undermine the health or the future of the program either. No. I mean, part it's of like, the problem what do you is, fire him for. The same thing you just, fired Mark Rick for. Yeah, just not not winning, not 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 continuing to improve. Not not ever, you know, whatever impossibly high bar we we set at these programs uh, for not clearing that bar, for clearing a bunch of other bars, but not that one. Yep. Um, no, like he's lost a lot of assistants. Some of them under weird circumstances. Some went to other schools. You know, Kirby Smart kind of screwed him by taking his uh, um, offensive line coach a while back, and. Um, you know, I, he's, he's done everything well, at least a few times at either Wisconsin or Arkansas. And so figuring out what's going wrong, diving deep into the data. Hey, Jeff, you can call me. Uh, we can, we can talk about that if you want. Um, send him a bill. That's right. Oh, don't worry. Um, invoice and, and just figuring out like where, where, like working with your coach to figure things out. I, I think that would be a lovely solution instead of just freaking out and firing somebody. I Especially totally agree because I've given him that buyout. You don't have a choice. I like Burt. I like I like what they do. I do think they're way too predictable on offense. But I say that, and they're whipping the ball down the field against Texas A and M. Yeah. So. Well, and you know their other loss was to TCU, who we've established might be really, really damn good. And it was a tight game until the end when TCU is kind of just a you know a, a knockout blow combination instead of one shot. They got yeah. a couple touchdowns at the end. I'm not holding TCU against Spielman 2017 or Year Five no. or any of that crap. I am I, I am saying you got to beat a bad A and M team, a bad A and M team that should not be able to drive on you quite like that, given the struggles they've had. Um, Bill, let's go to two thirty. Guess what? This is when this is. I, I think maybe I'll skip the morning. I don't know. We'll see. I say that. I don't want to ever skip anything. Two thirty. ESPN two. Baylor goes to Kansas State. Two thirty. AB. I won't do that every time. ABC. Uh, Florida State. Wake Forest is the ABC game. That's where the state of this country's at, folks. Uh, <laughs> Georgia's at Tennessee on CBS. Uh, Indiana. Wow. Sleeper game. Indiana goes to Penn State. I think that's gonna be great. Um, Louisville hosts Murray State. Navy goes to Tulsa on ESPNU. Over on the old CBS Sports Network, a institution I've always loved, admired, and respected. Now that it's on PlayStation View, UTEP goes to Army. Army's at 500. Um, Stanford, they won last week. No one talked about it, as as so goes the Pac-12. Uh, they host Arizona State, who, by the way, upset Oregon, and nobody's yeah. talking about that. Kentucky hosts Eastern Michigan. You're going to be fine, Wildcats. 3 o'clock, SEC Network. Iowa goes to Michigan State. No, thank you. Uh, on Fox, UConn goes to SMU on ESPN News. Why the hell did you sign that agreement, AAC? Notre Dame, uh, they're on national television because they're playing Miami of Ohio. I'm not going to talk about that. And then I'll stop it. I'll do one more and include it in the – actually, no, 5 o'clock is the evening. All right, we'll stop there. Um I'm going to be watching Georgia, Tennessee, and I'm going to have the second screen going on Indiana, Penn State. This is probably the most like straight ahead that I can that I've seen in a while. That's what I'm going to be watching. Um, I, mean, I am I've, going to be figuring out how to watch Indiana, Penn State, because you know how a few weeks ago I mentioned that I didn't have ESPNU. Yeah. One thing I had not noticed in the eight months of having this cable deal, I don't have BTN either, folks. Right uh, now, get up in them DMs. Yeah. Get up in them. BT, get up. B, are your DMs BTN open? Bill, are your DMs open? Uh, I don't know. Open the DMs, baby. Okay. Uh, at me. At me if I have not opened the DMs. And then know. he'll DM you, and someone uh, in the PAPN um, collective uh, will will probably help you out on BTNs ago. Um, it's the it's the funnest game of the slot is uh, is Indiana Penn State. The interesting one to me, obviously, now we're we're at a dovetail. I don't want to say I'm interested in anybody because every time I say that on this show, <laughs> Oklahoma State loses, Auburn loses, Stanford loses. Um, I'm leaving one out. I've cursed four teams so far, and I just left one out. Well, because you cursed them, you don't. Oh, I can't remember. Mention them anymore. I'm I don't remember. Interested in Georgia? I think maybe. See, I said that last week, and they rolled. So now again, we're going to see who the, who the real curse is. I am deaf. Uh, Georgia is, we think, possibly the second best team in the SEC. So let's find out. Um, where is the floor for Tennessee? Where's the floor? Yeah. If you look yeah, at the Florida lose. loss 
as what it truly was, which was bad coverage on a crazy play that defined the and entire game. And a bunch game. of blown scoring opportunities. Now, I was going to say the goal line drive, you know, yeah. goal to go, not getting any point. Yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. But just let, let's all take a step back from the Florida game. Let's find out where the floor is for the Tennessee Volunteers this year. They have no yeah. quarterback stability right now. Um they don't particularly look good doing any one thing on offense. So Georgia sure sure look good stopping Mississippi State's run game. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe Mississippi State isn't as multidimensional as we thought. Which then transit if we start talking about LSU again, we'll do that in a second. Okay. Okay. All right. What is your? So are you voting Indiana Penn State? Yes. Yeah. That's. I mean, that. I think in terms of national title implications and everything, that that's the most important game of this bunch. Uh, and then uh, you add on top of that the pure entertainment value of it. Uh, that's a hell of a game. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Okay, Bill, 5 o'clock. That's where yeah. things really start to get interesting now. 5 o'clock, Mississippi State at Auburn on ESPN. Very interesting. I hate to be this much of an SEC homer on what I find interesting, but super, super interested in that game. Air Force. So are you screwing? Are you screwing Mississippi State or Auburn by saying you're interested in No, it? because it doesn't work. I don't think it works that way. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. Um, I'm just interested to see, like, both of these teams seem, like, fatally flawed, but also have the potential. They have enough firepower to, like, burn your house down. I, I mean, what do you do when you put two of them together? Well, I, and look, I saw the good Auburn last night, and obviously yeah. part of that was the help they were getting and looking good. But Auburn this year, this is the way I was putting it when I was writing about the game last week at Rock M. They... Gus Malzahn used to figure out how to create little, you know, use motion, use this and that, and create little unstoppable three-on-two or two-on-one situations. And and it seems like everybody's kind of adjusted how they look at Auburn, and they they don't really get that anymore. Right. But they still have a lot of really good players who can win one-on-ones. And um, we're, and here's we're we're talking about a quote-unquote fatally flawed Auburn team. That is kind of the the perception and everything else. They lost by eight to Clemson. That's their loss. Uh, you know, in the Mercer game, they fumbled five times, which is which I do not recommend. They also lost four of them. If they lose two of the five, they win by 30 points or something, and we're not talking about that anymore, or 25 points, or whatever it ends up being. Uh, they, right. they, they handled their business uh, against Mercer other than fumbling five times, which is quite the caveat, I realize. That'll happen when but you play the Bears. A five-fumble game is not something that tends to repeat itself very often either. Um, I don't even remember if they fumbled once last uh, last night, <clears throat> Saturday night, and so oh, you're really um, struggling with this limbo thing. That, I, it's not something I'm used to now. Um, so Auburn, I think, still has a very high ceiling. Probably not as high as I thought offensively because their run game just isn't really all that good, uh, which surprises me. I thought the offensive line would be a little further than I thought. Everything else is as far or further along than I expected. Jared Stidham's still really good when he's not getting hit 50 times a game. Uh, and, he, and Missouri certainly didn't come close to hitting him that many times yesterday. Um, but their defense is rock solid. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mississippi State's going to be a really interesting test for them because Mississippi State does a pretty good job of creating numbers and figuring out how to, uh, to do that. Auburn, okay, and, and this, is all, this is a longer summary than I expected to have. But the other thing I found really yeah, interesting Yeah, no kidding, this Auburn is only the first game in the night slot, and you just ran with it. That's fine. Just ruined my format. That's um fine. <laughs> um, the other thing that I found really interesting that Auburn did yesterday, watching them in person, when you can see, kind of see everybody, they did an awesome job with numbers on defense. Like Missouri would line up with three wide on one side and one on the other. And they would somehow have like four guys on the three wide side and two guys on the one wide side, and then still have enough guys in the middle to, to win their battles and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and slow Missouri down and swarm and tackle and all that. Cause they have a lot of talent and speed. Yeah. Mississippi State is really going to test that. They're going to try to figure out little numbers advantages to create, and I think Auburn, if if they if they stand up to that, then I think Auburn wins this game. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say handily, but wins this game. Also, we are recording in a vacuum, as we've mentioned three thousand times now. Fitz got beat up by Georgia. That may be something to watch for too. Um, yeah. All right, let's move into six o'clock. Let's just let that five o'clock game live in its own zone. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's the that's the five o'clock game to watch. Yeah, uh, six o'clock CBS Sports Network. Air Force goes to New Mexico. Uh, really good game on ESPN two. Memphis fresh off of UCLA at UCF. This is a rescheduled game. UCF fresh off of beating Maryland. Uh, that's on ESPN two. Probably the two best teams in the league. I, I don't know about Navy. 
yeah, you feel good about yeah, saying they're that? They're up there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Troy goes to LSU on ESPNU. Very. Oh, oh, USF, USF. Oh, yeah. my bad. Yeah, nope, you're totally right. Sorry. <laughs> it's just that deep a conference. What can we say? Um, Ohio State is at Rutgers on 6.30 on BTN. South Carolina goes to A&M on the SEC Network. Not an anxiety game for obvious reasons, as in, by the way, I'm just watching a Falcon score a touchdown, sorry. Um, not an anxiety game, obviously. Will Muschamp is still building his you know, his future in Columbia, but uh, Kevin Sutherland, you need to win that one too. Clemson at VTech. Mm, that's good. That's going to be some inner Sandman. That's going to be some fun defensive things. Probably special teams is going to affect that. I can't wait, ABC. Sorry, I'm going to get through this before I can even talk about how excited I am. Okie State goes to Texas Tech. Boise. Uh, that's on Fox. Washington goes to Oregon State. Um, that will be um, not many of those things that I just talked about. 7 p.m. on Pac-12 Networks. 8 o'clock. Ole Miss goes to Alabama. This is the first time I realized that. Um, so shows how much of a homer <laughs> I am. Uh, ooh, that'll be a procedural murder. Uh, skip, skip, skip. And we'll stop yeah, there before the, you get late, drunk. Yeah. Um, Troy at LSU right off the bat. Troy at LSU. Yeah, that, that that game has lost a little bit of luster for me just How because of LSU. You. And then also Troy kind of not being amazing, almost trying to lose to Akron. The yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, um, we we held, because we had so much week one content, we held um, our Neil Brown uh, profile that I did in August, and I'm running it this week. Um, but I've been really, I mean, I can say this. Like, it's not offensive to anybody, or, like, Troy's been great to work with. I'm a little worried about it, like, you know. Losing to Boise State is fine. I think the profile still fits, you know. But, um, man, I was a little worried there with New Mexico State for a second. I was like, oh, we're doing a big coach profile on a guy lost in New Mexico State. That's not good. Um, <laughs> but New Mexico State's awesome. So Yeah. All right, let me knock these out real fast because I got a bunch. All right? We're talking about LSU Troy real fast. Yeah. Uh, when we solicited for questions for the show, Billy Gamilla, friend of the program, WTF am I watching? Parentheses LSU in particular. Um <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Brian Mann, are LSU and FSU struggling just as a conspiracy to get Jimbo to be the next head coach at LSU? <laughs> uh, Meech, at Meech, BBB, hot take if Jimbo doesn't do well, do so well this year and LSU keeps tanking Jimbo to LSU. Okay. Jesus. All right. Um, where do we start? Ed Orgeron is not getting fired this week. Ed Orgeron is probably <laughs> not getting fired this year. All right, unless something incredibly dramatic were to happen in terms of on field or something that would be, you know, the devastating off field Baylor Ole Miss type stuff. It's just that simple. I'm sorry. Um, we all did a bad job, myself included, of looking objectively at that roster. And there's a quote, and I don't know if I could pull it up in time. Because I can I can pull the file up, but I don't know where it is exactly in my transcription. And so I'm going to paraphrase, but Ed Orgeron was at the draft and all these guys are getting drafted. And I'm not talking about Fournette, but I'm talking to like my boy Duke Riley who goes to, to the Falcons in like the, I think it was the third or fourth round. They had a lot of guys go out and sign big NFL contracts and it made the program look awesome. And Ed, Ed was telling me this story back in I think June and he just said, you know, I'm shaking these guys' hands one by one and I'm thinking, I got to replace that guy. I got to replace that guy. I got to replace <laughs> that guy. And the expectation level is that you plug and play, even though that they feel like they are recruiting in a different, more effective way now after Miles than they than some of those classes that had waned a little bit in Orgeron's opinion um, in the later years. Now the uh, the advocate in Baton Rouge has a really good story about replacing some of these guys uh, that ran on Sunday. I think you can check that out if you don't follow Ross Dellinger and you have any interest in the SEC or LSU. You should. He's a really, really, really good yeah, yeah. reporter. Um, this game is interesting as hell because Troy is flawed, but so is LSU, right? Um, yeah, I guess. I think they're flawed on different levels, but yeah. They are flawed on different levels. Weird things can happen. How much of the Syracuse game did you see? LSU uh, has, has some problem problems now. Um, well, okay. Let me, let me stop there for a second. Okay. LSU is bad for about 15 minutes against Syracuse. Okay. They're... They're up That's 15 more minutes than anyone in Baton Rouge thinks they should ever be. <laughs> well, sure, but most of the time you're going to win games where you're really good for 45 minutes and, and bad for 15, at least against the Syracuse teams. Yes, I mean, I, I, they, they almost blew it. They, they were up 28-10, and then suddenly they were up 28-26. And, and then, by the way, they put the game away after that. They said, well, okay, let's uh, drive. Yeah, what is it? They, 
Syracuse scores with five minutes and 40 seconds left. And so they then take four minutes to drive to almost four minutes, seven plays, which is impressive in and of itself. And then they, they score on a 20 yard run and they win. I mean, that's, they average 6.8 yards per play and allowed 4.7 yards per play. So on average, that means a much bigger than nine point win. Um, They just, I, I'm not, I, I, Sometimes your eyes lie lie to you. Let's put it that way. Okay. Sometimes you we see you know we see what what the bad a team is capable of, and we latch onto that and we forget the good plays uh, of a given game. I'm not all that worried by this. You know, they LSU threw for 263 yards and 23 passes. Um, they Darius guys had a terrible game, but they still figured out how to run the ball because they had uh, a bunch of receivers running the ball and they had Daryl Williams going for 92 yards, almost six yards per carry. Uh, they figured some things out that w- when, when certain things weren't working and they went out and they won a game, they, they forced here, here's Syracuse. This is a bunch of half formed thoughts. Cause I, uh, you know, that's the way I do it's it. Early. But, um, Syracuse's drive chart until the last two drives where they scored those two touchdowns, interception, field goal, punt, 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 touchdown, punt, punt. Uh, so th- I can't really say there's all that much wrong with the defense other than when they went up 28-10, they took their eye off the ball. Yes. So, I, I, again, I, that's I not would, perfect, but I'm not worried about again, it. Again, to go back to the anxiety, they're definitely replacing bodies on defense, and they're not as deep as they should be, but I don't think – I think yeah. the problems are on offense. Um, but it's just so insanely premature to try and diagnose any of that other than saying – we lost a lot of talented people. It is a new system. Maybe I was, I mean, we all got excited about Matt Canada going down there and playing with those toys. And I mean, maybe it's just not as, it's just not as deep a chest right away. I mean, there's, and I, yeah, I mean, I, the depth thing could be, uh, something real, but they self-destructed against, uh, Mississippi state last week. And they responded by going up 28, 10 on a, on at least decent Syracuse. Um, so I'm not, I, you know, I'm not pushing any panic. Here's the other thing too about LSU. They're never, ever, ever going to be Art Browse Baylor. Like they, I don't. Uh, there's always been this weird frustration with LSU fans that when they do go up 27 on a team or they go up 21 on a team that they just they shift into that second gear and start paving right. on you. But they do that because when they're good, they're one of the few teams in America that can do that to to almost everybody because they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of like great run game. They, I mean. That you can recruit to that at LSU, and you can do that at LSU. And Ed Orgeron is going to be incredibly open-minded about offense. But there, there's. I think he. I think he likes Canada. He might like Canada more than he would have loved Lane because Canada <laughs> at his base is going to like. I mean, Canada made Wisconsin work really well. You know, so I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely something I'm going to be interested in. Troy, on the other hand. Um, has not shown to be as good as last year, but they were, they returned pretty much every single player from, I I think they returned every single offensive starter and it was everyone who had any kind of, it was every skill position starter, I believe. So I don't know. They just haven't, they've definitely not looked as good on defense. Yeah. uh, Yeah. They just haven't put it all together yet. They still might. Uh, And they are still three and one. So, um, and they lost to Boise state by 11. Mm -hmm. They handled the Alabama state fine. They did mess around with New Mexico State and Akron, and they'll probably get pushed around by LSU yep. eventually, at least. But after that, I mean, Georgia, South Alabama, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, Iowa, Idaho, Coastal Carolina, Texas Tech. Yeah, they start grinding. Um, ooh, yeah, you know they're 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 likely to be nine and two when they play Arkansas State. Okay, that way. Bill, Clemson, Virginia Tech. You. Yeah, go baby. Go. Oh, oh, by the way, but, my pick for that early part, the six o'clock. Memphis UCF. Not watch that freaking game because UCF. Well, might we're, be hang really on, but we're not done. We're not done with the other. I was so I, I picked Troy Troy LSU. I wanted to audit yes. you on Clemson v Tech. Look, sometimes the sometimes the A lister is the A lister, right? It is a good action film. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Are you gonna tell me like I, I'm kind of tempted to go against the PAP and ethic here and just say yeah, Clemson v Tech is the game to watch. Memphis UCF's great. DVR that. Watch the watch the first hour of Memphis UCF and then DVR. Yeah, okay, what do you get? You got an hour plus. It's an a, it's the ABC game, so you're gonna get a bunch of junk pregame. So right. I bet you get an hour and ten, hour and twelve, something like that. Yeah, so. That's that's like a full quarter. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, Clemson <laughs> Virginia Tech. It's gonna be a good game. Yeah. Excited. Hell yeah. Good job, ABC. Yeah, I um, I I talked to somebody associated with Virginia Tech over the summer briefly, um, and he said like one of the things that. That they that that they think they're doing a really good job of a Virginia Tech as compared to other schools is the conditioning part. Okay, and if you think back to last year's uh, Clemson game, 
Uh, he said, basically, you could tell with about between 10 and 20 minutes left, about around the time the Virginia Tech started com- making a late comeback and thinking about, you know, screwing up every- Clemson's national title plans. Um, Clemson was, you know, hands on knees. Clemson was gassed. Clemson was making a lot more substitutions because they were gassed, and uh, Virginia Tech was just getting started. Uh, I think that's what they've kind of adopted as their thing is you know we are we are 60 minutes here and and uh there's always a chance that they just can't score because clemson's clemson and uh virginia tech has a very good freshman quarterback but a freshman quarterback um so there's a chance that they just get kind of suffocated and and whatever but this could be if they keep it close through the first half uh this could be a very very tense game late in the game at primordial goo asks most interesting upcoming game that didn't look interesting in august this is not the right answer but we are sitting in the moment of this i just didn't think that virginia tech was going to be able to compete like this and so um i'm going to use that as a half-ass sort of inner segue here but Um, I am excited for this game in a way I didn't think I would be three or four weeks ago because I was under the impression that the absence of Gerard Evans would be, you know, would have more of an effect, especially early on this team and not, not so much. Yeah. And I mean, since, you know, they, they were terrible the first half against West Virginia offensively, and then they kind of, they found a couple things and and they wrote it out basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since then they've played Delaware, East Carolina and Old Dominion. So, you know, we I guess we shouldn't overreact, but it's pretty easy to overreact because they look so good. It's uh, like for for a decent amount of time. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be Blacksburg at night, lit up, excited. By the way, it's funny that you yep. mentioned conditioning because conditioning. I think we're now what four for four, three for three. When you talk about coaches that come in and try and modernize after after name brand like generation long, you know program president type, you know, your Bowdens and your Beamers. And I was like, I'm just trying to say that in the nicest way possible. Um, I heard that at Penn State. I heard that uh, there's a story at Florida State about how they didn't even have a training table under Bowden. And, and it's interesting to hear that now. Um, and I don't, that's not a knock on those previous coaches. I really just think that that's a, it's a modernizing of the sport. And it's something that if you're a successful coach over a long period of time, you don't necessarily keep yourself on the cutting edge of development and conditioning, I think is one of those things that changes a lot, how we condition um, like the whole flexibility thing a couple of years ago, became right. in vogue and NFL teams now are using yoga classes. And so it's interesting to hear that again. It's almost um, it's, it's like I said, it's almost a perfect three for three or four for four, like on the longtime coach and the developmental, the developmental angle. I always talk about like one of my little, uh, go-to cliches is you know three three aspects of team building talent acquisition talent development talent deployment we know all about the recruiting uh we know how that part works we know how the acquisition part works the 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 player deployment part is is or the talent deployment part is what we always talk about with tactics and play calling and all that that's all that's easy enough but the the development developmental part is just kind of mushy like we we sort of i mean with their strength training and, and guys get smarter or whatever like we kind of understand what goes on there but i think that is an opportunity if you figure some interesting things out that is an opportunity uh for making a, like you know for being like a kansas state and and punching above your weight being like virginia tech did for many years uh punch above your weight class recruiting wise um if he's recruiting pretty well and then he's also figured out a couple of things regarding development and strength training and all that goodness i mean that's a that's a rock solid team right mm-hmm. there um there's not much to say about Ole Miss at alabama uh Ole Miss has no defensive depth they're not going to be able to create the turnovers and havoc and problems that they were able to in the back-to-back wins over alabama they're basically one-dimensional on offense they, they pass the ball they have really good receivers but trot that crap into tuscaloosa and see what happens so um in the drunk hour drunk segment drunk period um, we have, eh, you know, you're drunk. So, uh, let's see. Nevada goes to Fresno state. Um, I don't think any, but what is, I don't even know what that network de- designation is. So let's just skip that one. Cal goes to Oregon, 9 PM on FS1. Colorado goes to UCLA at 930 on ESPN2. Oh, oh, hello G5. Northern Illinois is at San Diego state at 930 on CBS sports <laughs> network. And then closing your business day. San Jose State at UNLV at 9.30 on ESPNU. Well, I think we know what game we're picking. <laughs> you know, those are two of the least exciting good G5 teams possible. I know. 
like San Diego State, clearly good, clearly knows how to win games at this point. But they're, you know, they they they're Georgia of of the Mountain West. They just they they're just gonna kind of bear hug you, and they're gonna bash rocks, and they're gonna win. Yep. Um, if you're looking for excitement, it kind of oh man, I don't know. You've got Cal, Oregon, and Colorado, UCLA to choose. You got a great that's, Oregon offense a, and a defense that's going to be susceptible enough for Cal to move the ball. I think it's got to be Cal, Oregon. Yeah, Colorado, UCLA. I mean, no. No, I mean they—they're they, still kind of that a, was a terrible game last year. In. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the worst games I saw last year. But, it was a Friday night game. Yeah, but they didn't have Rosen. They didn't have Rosen. They—they—that was like right after they lost Rosen, where they were the most lost uh, defensively or offensively, and then there were like 418 penalties. Yeah, it was gross, but it's not going to be that this year. I don't. Two think. questions, real fast. At statistically asked, how bad is UCLA and why? And S H uh, podcast asks. What program is doing less with more than UCLA currently? Knives are back out. Yeah, it didn't take long, did it? No, it didn't. Um, they, they are doing less with, with more. It's, it's, you, They've kind of, that's always been I know, I mean, like, thing to us. Like you, you can't argue that. So, um, man, that UCLA A&M game really is this year. Like, all joking aside, it really is this year's Texas-Notre Dame. Um, how bad is UCLA and why? We'll know after this. We'll know after this. Again, find your floor, and I think Colorado is a good way to find your floor because you're a talented team. It's never been the problem. You always have been. But if you can't beat Colorado at home, um, I don't necessarily know if he's going to get fired because the pressure there works in different ways. But he better win this damn game. Yeah. I mean, that's they fell behind Stanford early. Um, and then they just never quite caught up and, and, you know, Rosen ends up throwing 60 passes. They really have just basically said, okay, so apparently we're a team that has to just say, screw it. And, and, uh, hope that Rosen doesn't throw six picks. Cause it's always kind of seems like he's right on the edge of that. Um, but I mean, they, they put up a ton of yards on, on Stanford. They just couldn't catch up. And then at the end, uh, Stanford pulled away instead of being down 10, they lose by 24. I mean, Stanford's a hell of a lot better than Colorado. I'll say that. And so I think UCLA handles this game, but there's no question that they, they do less with more and they always kind of have. And we can, there are all sorts of maybe, I don't know, there are plenty of issues we can figure out with that. But um, I hate, yeah, no, knives are out. Knives came out quickly. I just, I hate saying what I'm about to say, but I think you can, at UCLA, you can create you can create a system in which you're getting talent comparable to like 15 to 20 other of the best team, the best programs in college football. So top 15, top 20. And the fact that he's able to exist in a relatively Mora is, is able to exist in a relatively, I don't want to say criticism free environment. It's definitely not that, but he doesn't live with the kind of heat that we see in other places, you know, entire programs are firing and hiring and, and, and just riddled with angst. Like who are we, you know, A&M is a great example. Who are we going to be in the sec? Arkansas is still trying to figure that out. And it's been like 20 something odd years. <laughs> this is the PAC 12 difference. And I hate to say that because I really like PAC 12 football and I really do believe that they have passionate fans, but it is a little bit different. And it, especially in the city of Los Angeles, it just is Uh bill. Let's do yeah. um, non-televised cleanup real fast. Cause there's some, some fun stuff just sort of buried in the crap. Um, I would be remiss in not pointing out that Colorado State is at Hawaii at 11 p.m. Central on the uh, Mountain West video, and I think it's just an app that you download from Mountain West, and I think everyone can watch it. Hell, uh, yeah. Um, man, these, this ACC television deal, or lack thereof, whatever, Central Michigan's at Boston College at noon on ACC video, whatever. Um, ULM, fresh off of beating ULL, the rare win in the, yeah. in the big rivalry, they host... Coastal Carolina, you can check that out at 6 p.m. on ESPN3. Um, let's see. Marshall's going to Cincinnati at 6 p.m. on ESPN3. Sometimes AAC games fall in here as well. Um, it's pretty slim. Uh, let's see. Middle Tennessee at FAU. Texas State's going to go to Wyoming. That game's on Facebook. Um, I, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, like, you do that. Um I really don't know. I don't know if that's like something that just shows up in, in, in your browser or what. Um, uh, that pretty much does it here. South Alabama, Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Okay. Um, what kind of potential do we have here? Is this going to be another surprise week? I think it's just going to be kind of a mixture of good week. And then if you see a surprise, it's going to be earlier in the day. 
Yeah, I'd say the surprises are earlier. This, I mean, yeah, I was pretty excited about last week in terms of upset potential. We didn't quite get one. Uh, obviously, we had a couple of, you know, USC Cal was a very good game, and USC just pulled away late. But we had an amazing fourth quarter for Iowa Penn State. That was our upset. That was, you know, it was a near upset, but it, it was close enough to watch. Um, this week, I just don't. Yeah, I don't see a lot of potential earth-shattering things happening this week. Uh, and I'm I'm mad because Missouri, I finally get a respite from going to Missouri games each week. Uh, and this is what I'm welcomed with. Um, I'm, I'm not really pleased with the gods about that one. But, you know, there are so, we'll learn more about Wisconsin. We'll learn more about Georgia and Tennessee. We'll learn more, yeah, uh, you know, on and on and on. But, yeah, this is kind of an okay week. Yeah, I'd say it's fair to say. But, you know... We always have a way of surprising you. Uh, let's do some question cleanup real fast. Skim Milk Ag asks, will someone last the rest of the season? If I had to put money on it, I would say no. Um, here's an interesting question for you. Um, JP Swain, can injuries ever be built into S&P? Uh, E.g., UNC is hilariously injured and has already lost 31 starts to injury through four games. Does S&P adjust? So, the well, the adjustment for NC, uh, UNC is going to be that they're going to be a very bad rating, uh, especially when they continue to lose because their schedule is not going to get any easier. Um, I, you know, basically the problem is that for me to be able to bake injuries into the cake, so to speak, I need a very, very accurate collection of injury information. Okay. Uh, good luck. Uh, putting that together with college football, uh, you know, there's there are a couple good sources out there. There's actually one I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop them right now because they're good. Wait, name dropping is like, but I you could never things. do that, um, Bill, because you you would have to have what you would believe to be an I don't say an equal amount or like a fit. There, there would have to be some fairness about the injury. Like if you're getting a ton of injury information, because let's say let's say one day a league mandates it. Like the CUSA says you have to disclose publicly every injury. And so then you know for a right. fact what those rosters are looking like. But then a CUSA game, you know, the CUSA team goes and plays someone in the SEC. You have no idea. So you can't make a metric from that, can you? Now, the best thing I can say is that handicappers do a very good job of collecting injury information really one way or another uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, if you go to www.donbest, <clears throat> excuse me, D-O-N-B-E-S-T dot com slash N-C-A-A-F slash injuries, that is by far the best list that I've ever seen. Um, so there is that, but I mean, you'd still need a good way to collect it uh, and, you know, figure out who missed how, what game and why and all that. And if I had that, it'd be great, but I'm never going to have it. I'm never going to have it. For what it's worth, when so, I embed with teams... Everyone, fans always ask me, or readers, like fans of the team, or, or just readers always ask, like, what about the, like, did you see their playbook? And I'm like, yeah, I saw, I saw plays in their playbook. I saw them break down stuff. I, yeah, I know what their, like, I know what their terminology is. I couldn't, I couldn't spit it back out to you, you know? Because it's, it's like a complete foreign language immersion, and I'm there for like probably <laughs> yeah, four no days kidding. of meetings. It's like, I'm, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Yeah, no, but it's the not, thing that, that, plays aren't tech mobile, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the thing that, but the real thing, everyone always asks about playbook and plays. The real thing is that the coaches are always most concerned about, am I going to disclose injuries after the fact, during, before, during, and after the fact, yeah. especially if I'm embedding early in a season. That's the one thing that they guard, man. And it'll literally be as something as simple as a kid walks into a position group meeting. So it's a private setting where you wouldn't normally have reporters, and I'm sitting in the back, and I'm probably bored out of my skull or trying to figure out how I make this interesting. And the kid comes in like with an ice pack around his ankle. And then later, the position coach, if I've got a good relationship with them in the, you know, in the couple of days I'm there or the SID or whatever, they're like, hey, can you, can you not mention that? Yeah. And so depending on what kind of agreement I, I enter into, it's always very tricky um, because it, it, to me it's not an ethics issue of like, well, I'm a reporter, I should report that. No, but I'm also getting access, like I'm getting conditional access, mm -hmm. you know, and so – it's a, it's a tough line to draw, but if I if I say up front a football related injury, now if, if the guy beat up his girlfriend and he's getting bailed out of jail, I'd report that, you know. But if the guy tw tweaked his ankle one day in practice, and I and I'm embedded, and they say, hey, we don't want those disclosed, I won't do it because I can't. Right. Um, it's just funny to me. Like that's the real thing that everyone's terrified. <laughs> that's it has nothing to do with like they're gonna steal our call. Nope, nope. It is all injuries. That's why I don't think you'll ever be able to compensate and create a metric because you're never yeah. gonna get accurate information unless you have some sort of independent body that's assigned to every single school 
and they do like weekly medical exams. Right. <laughs> never gonna do that. So I, I, just, I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, we're gonna rapid fire some. We, we got like what five minutes left here? Yep, five minutes. Uh, okay, uh, we're gonna rapid fire uh, some questions out, and before Godfrey has to hop on a plane, and then in like twelve hours or twenty four hours, I hop on a plane. Uh, our friend Robert Baker at Kerba eleven twenty three. Are struggling hurricane teams indicative of lack of game reps or more reps by winning teams? I would just say that um, FSU was the only team that struggled. Miami struggled briefly and then looked great. UCF lo- looked great basically from the, about the second quarter on. So I don't think that's really an issue. But as far as FSU goes, they looked super rusty early. They couldn't finish drives. Uh, they also had a first time a, a, a starting quarterback playing college football for the very first time. I would say that that had more to do with it than rust. I think it's just a big old mess. I think it's a big old mess, and it's it's hard to create a single a single um, culprit for that. I mean, Florida State lost their quarterback. I mean, how do you think they would have adjusted to being being out for two weeks and displaced with a storm if they still had their their quarterback as their leader, right? Right, and they still created a ton of scoring chances and really probably should have won that game. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was an issue. Reps uh, are an issue. I, reps are an issue. People who yeah. constantly talk about, oh, well, they had the week off. That's a, that's a benefit. I, I mean, NFL people swear that it's not. They swear unless you're talking about injuries at skill positions you, that going on a bye will throw off a ton of chemistry. So right. I don't know. A little bit of at, both. At Gray Flora Fourth. At G R A Y I V Flora. Brett Venables, does he leave? Where is he a fit? Uh, I am going to say he never leaves. Uh, if you've been saying that for 20 years, you've been right for 20 years. Uh, so I, maybe he leaves for a head, I assume for a head coaching job, but I mean, I'm not going to predict. He's it not leaving for a position coordinator job. Um, yeah. So I'm, I, I've answered this question a lot on the show. I answer this question a lot on talk radio and that's fine because I understand why people keep asking it. Um, we, we did this with Chad Morris, y'all. I think it's a little bit different because Morris always had clear ambition to become a head coach. I don't know if the same can be said about Venables. I think he's extremely happy and comfortable with where he's at, and that is the he's in a place that has very little um, micromanagement from a head coach. He's trusted to do his job. Dabo's an offensive guy anyway. Um, he gets to recruit the best talent in America. He's won a national championship there. He's extremely well compensated, my lord, like – I think that's a if you were if you were ambitious about getting another job, you would take the pay cut and go to the G five that you thought you could bridge out of right. all that stuff, right? Like kind of like a Tom Herman situation. Although Tom Herman situation was so ideal, um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know if the money thing's an issue or not. I mean, everyone just pegs him to K State. I don't necessarily think that works. I mean, some coaches can be elite and amazing and the best the best minds in their field, and they just don't want to be anything more than a coordinator, and that's okay. Bud Foster, yeah. Um, at or Matthew Kennerly at Matt K underscore FS. He's a Fresno State guy. What is your sense of Boise State's season so far? Were the, were the expert expectations too high, or have they actually disappointed? They can't run the ball. Um, yeah, and that, that's very disappointing. I did not expect that. Uh, defense confused me. Uh, you know, I, I was actually pretty impressed with what they did against New Mexico, uh, and the the Washington State game really wasn't all that bad. Uh, but they gave well, what, be it because of either Virginia or Boise State, they gave up a lot more to Virginia than I anticipated. Uh, they needed their defense to step up. The the offense took a while to get going, uh, and then once the offense figured a couple things out, the defense fell apart, and so. You know, at this point, uh, San Diego State, you have to be more impressed with them uh, in the Mountain West. I still really like Colorado State. And, yeah, they're they're pretty mortal this year. And um, we'll see what – it's not like Brian Harson's in trouble or anything, but we'll see what that means because they, uh, they have not stood out at all hey, so far. Virginia looked good. Did we say that? Yeah. 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 Virginia looked good. Uh, all right, Bill. That was our weird amended recorded early – strange pre-done podcast happy wednesday did it feel strange to you oh, it felt very strange to me indeed all right we will uh we'll see you guys probably on the normal schedule again sunday night for the recap show yes i i am back and i i have no well yeah i'm not traveling anytime soon so we're good all right see you guys next week yep